Uh, we could do a sword drill, or you could just turn there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the, the pew there in front of you. Uh, you can grab one of those and uh, use that. Hebrews chapter 13, it's near the end of the book, end of the Bible. Uh, but I want to draw your attention, if you're a regular here, uh, in your mailbox, everyone that is 12 years old and older, um, you got one of these in your mailbox today, or two of these, I should say. And so parents, if maybe you thought I counted wrong and put too many in your box, for everyone who's 12 years and older, uh, this is what we fill out every year. This is our ministry registration form. We're asking over the month of July that you think about the coming year and where the Lord wants you to serve and how you wanna serve um, and fill this out. If you currently serve in an area and you plan to continue that in the next year, please still mark that. Okay, so this is for the coming year where you plan to serve. Uh, please go ahead and mark that. Also, a, a form that looked like this. This is what we're calling a checkup. And uh, I know this is gonna take time and effort and energy on your part, and I hope you will take the time to do that and to read through this and to fill it out and to get it back to us. If you do read it at the top, um, we want your input, we want your help in making some decisions and some uh, direction for the church, and we want you to fill that out as honestly as you can, uh, and we want you to do it in a godly manner, so you need to put your name on it. Okay, so if your name isn't on it, if you forget to put your name on it and you're still really nice on it, we won't even look at it, we're gonna toss it. Okay, because I've lived too long to let the enemy have access to my life, and we, we, we want you to tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you think the Spirit of God is saying and what you don't think he's saying, uh, but you have to own it. And so you have to be willing to say, uh, here's, here's what's there. So please make sure you put your name on it, don't forget, or otherwise we won't even look at it, and if it's just that you forgot and you're a nice person, that's, I'm sorry, uh, that's just what we're gonna do. So that's there, and then on July 19th, if you didn't see it on the video announcements, July 19th, we're having a family meeting in conjunction with House of Prayer. If you've never attended House of Prayer on Tuesday night, what we do is from 6.30 to 7, we have individual prayer time. So people come in and you just pray uh, around the sanctuary, different places, and you just pray. And um, at, at 7 o'clock, we come together corporately and we all pray together for about an hour. And uh, different people take turns leading. Uh, the Holy Spirit sometimes gives us pictures or words or scriptures to read and we pray along those lines. And every week is a little bit different. But um, on Wednesday, July 19th, we're gonna do it on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. That same format, that first half hour, we wanna encourage you to come, just find a place to pray, prepare your heart. And then for about a half an hour, I wanna share with you what the Lord has been doing in my life and in my heart uh, over the last probably nine months or longer. And some things that I've shared with our leadership team about the direction of our church and where I feel like the Lord is uh, leading us to go. And uh, we're, it's not a business meeting, we called it a family meeting, okay? There's no roster, there's no um, voting at these, there's no sign up, it's just me sharing with you my heart because I want you over the next month to be fasting and praying with us. We've been, as leaders, I've been calling our leaders since the month of May to be fasting and praying about some things, and uh, we want you to join in with us in that. And so we're gonna share that information with you, and then for the last half hour of the house of prayer, we're gonna pray. We're gonna break up into small groups and pray together, and uh, some of our leaders are gonna lead us in prayer, and uh, that's how we're gonna end. So from 6.30 to 8, we have childcare provided. Whether you are a voting member or not, if this is your church body, this is where God has called you, this is where you come regularly, uh, uh, this is where he's leading you to be. Uh, we want you to be there on that night. So please uh, make every effort you can to be here. And so just a couple house cleaning and uh, announcements there. So Hebrews chapter 13. If you are, uh, this is your first Sunday in a long time. Um, we are at the end of a series we started on July 31st of last year. Um, now, we, we actually haven't done it every Sunday since then. I mean, we've had Advent that we stopped for, and then we had our missions month that we stopped for, and um, you know there were some other times we took short breaks, but we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and this is actually the 24th sermon through the book of Hebrews. All of them are on our podcast. You can go back and you can listen to those uh, and kind of get an idea of where I'm coming from, but when we come to the end of this letter, because basically this is a letter written by an unknown author, uh, as I shared, my, my leaning, whether it's 
godly or selfishly, I don't know, uh, is that Priscilla actually penned the book of Hebrews. No, a lot of people think it was Paul. Uh, I don't know that Paul would have ever written a letter that he didn't sign his name to. And so I have a hard time believing that it's a Pauline letter. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me that Priscilla would have written this letter and not signed her name to it because as a lady, uh, that would have been a difficult thing for people to accept at that time, even still. And so um, you can disagree with me on that and that's fine. The truths of the book of Hebrews are still the same. And so he, has been, he or she has been writing this letter to Hebrew believers, former Israeli, former Jews, surrendered to Christ, but now they're suffering. They're being persecuted, they're having stuff stolen from them, uh, they're being beaten, some of them are being killed, and they're discouraged. They're literally thinking about turning away from the faith and going back to the old covenant, going back to the law. And this entire book is a discourse on how the new covenant and the cross of Christ is so far superior to the old way that you should not go back. And even when you're discouraged and even when you're feeble, arms and your weak knees are about to give way he says strengthen yourself you need patient endurance you need to just continue to believe and persevere in this and so uh, as we come to this last moment these last words of the book of Hebrews, uh, it's kind of this recap. And if you think about when you're visiting someone or you're writing a letter and you come to the end of it, uh, you maybe recap some things you've said or you highlight some really important things or maybe some things you forgot. And that's what I think the writer here is, is, is doing. And that's what we're gonna talk about. Now, hopefully, as we learned last week, um, you know, we wanna be uh, offensive in our relationships with people. One of the things the book of Hebrews has taught us is that our relationship with human beings is actually a great litmus test for how strong our relationship with God is. Okay, those things are not separated. Okay, they're, they're the same. And sometimes we think it's okay to be nice to God and to be mean to people, but being mean to people proves that we really haven't come to know God in the right way because God loves the just and the unjust. He treats all people the same. No matter how we treat God, his treatment of us is still the same. While we were his enemies, he died for us. Okay, so that's what we covered last week. And I, I challenged you to take those seven relationships, those seven groups of people, and every day begin to pray that we would be offensive, not offensive, but offensive in our relationships with people, that we would love them and serve them, and God would give us wisdom to how to do that. And so I wanna encourage you again, one day of the week, every week, seven groups, keep praying, allow the Holy Spirit to direct you in that. Because we don't want the book of Hebrews to just be a bunch of information that we store in our head. We want it to transform how we live our lives. Um, and so, the, the ending of this, we're gonna start in verse 18. These are the last seven verses. This is what we've got. And this is what's written. Verse 18, pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we want to live honorably in everything we do. Especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever, amen. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I've written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. When I look at these few verses, what I wanna look at is not just what is said, but why it is being said. And there's three things I want us to focus on particularly, and I believe those three things have been kind of put into us throughout the book of Hebrews. And those things overlap, and you're gonna find some overlap, but I'm gonna to try to talk about them in, in isolation a little bit, but you'll, you'll catch, I hope, the overlap. Um, 
the first thing is, I want us to talk about the supremacy of the new covenant and the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ and the new covenant that was entered into with God through Jesus' death and his resurrection is far greater than the old covenant. That is really important for us to know and understand. Now, I don't think that came as a shock or a surprise to any of us. We all mentally and theologically agree with that. But that hasn't changed how we live our lives enough yet. I thought that was really good. (laughs) The cross of Jesus Christ changes everything. Not just a little bit, but a lot. And we're going to talk about that. That's what he says in verses 20 and 21. The God of peace brought up from the dead, the Lord Jesus, ratified that eternal covenant, equipping you with everything you need to do his will, producing in you every good thing that is pleasing to you. It's all about the cross. From start to finish, it's all about the cross. Okay? The second thing is the importance of the word of God. The importance of the word of God. In verse 22, it says, pay attention, pay attention to the words that I've written to you. It is so important that we know and pay attention to the word of God, and we'll talk about that. And the last one is the importance of prayer. The importance of prayer. He, he or she says, pray for us. And then lists how they could pray for them. And then they pray for the believers. Now, I know that they don't say, bow your heads with me and let's pray. But they write, now may the God of peace. And so it's a prayer. And we're going to talk about those. So those are the three things we're going to talk about. The first one is the supremacy of the cross. Everything you and I need is settled at the cross. Everything you and I need is settled at the cross. It's done. It's done. Nothing that you face, nothing that I face, doesn't have its answer in the cross. Everything is at the cross. I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it to you. There is no problem, whether internal or external, that has not been dealt with at the cross. Every impossibility was made possible the moment Jesus said, it is accomplished. And three days later, when he rose from the dead, and then he, 40 days later, ascended to the Father, and then again, a few days later, sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, now everything is possible. Everything. Now, I know, again, we all believe that in here, but it really has to change how we live our lives. In Ephesians chapter one, when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, he says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. In other words, because of the cross, you and I get to be united with Christ and every blessing, every blessing, the word every means every, yeah, okay, good. See, you're following along. Every blessing, the problem is it's in the heavenly realms. How do I get the blessings in the heavenly realms to here? Well, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm, you're catching on. The cross literally takes everything you need and deposits it in a heavenly bank account with your name on it. It's up to you and I to learn, and the Christian life, this is what it's all about, learning to withdraw from that account. Okay, here's the thing. Whenever you have a bank account, okay, you have to go to the bank and you have to fill out papers, okay? You have to sign your name, you have to fill out some stuff, you have to sign some stuff, then it's your account, your name is on it. But in heaven, 
the moment Jesus died, every human being has a bank account in heaven with their name on it. But the only way you and I can access it is if we come to the cross and we surrender our lives to Christ. Okay? You don't pray a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. You believe that Jesus died in your place and you confess with your mouth that he's your Lord. That's what you have to do. Now you can pray it, you can cry, you can not cry, you can stand, you can kneel, you can close your eyes. It doesn't matter how you do it. There's not a method. But that's what we do. We come to the Christ and we exchange our lives for his. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. And so I put to death my old nature by the power of the spirit that lives in me at salvation because of the cross. And now I have access to my bank account. But like any good father, you don't just get to download all of it on, the, on day one. But here's the thing. In, in the prayer, he says, may he equip you with everything you need for doing his will. Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for giving, living a godly life. Everything. It's all in your account on day one. We have received all of this only by coming to know him. That's it. That's the only requirement. You get it all. The one who called us to himself by his marvelous glory and his excellence. And if you continue to read 2 Peter chapter 1, you will see that Peter then says, so add to your faith goodness. And to your goodness, I don't remember at all, love, moral excellence, brotherly kindness, all these things. If you continue to grow in these things, he says, you will become more and more productive in your knowledge of God. More and more productive. You're learning to withdraw from the account. You know, when I talk today about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works, we're learning to draw from that account. This is, please tell me it's making sense. Um, sometimes I can't tell if people are thinking or if they're daydreaming. But uh, some of you look like you're thinking. <laughs> So I'll just believe that. Um, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. You, you know, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's a person and he lives in us. So it's not, sometimes as Pentecostals, we misunderstand the baptism in the Holy Spirit that comes after salvation. There's no more of the Holy Spirit coming in that moment. What happens at the baptism is a surrendering of, the whole, of our lives to the Holy Spirit more. Learning to withdraw from the account. Okay, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. When you're a child, you don't get a junior Holy Spirit, and then when you're an adult, you get the full version. A child who gets saved has the Holy Spirit, and as parents, we should teach them to withdraw from their account. And here's the thing, they can do it a whole lot easier because they don't got a lot of junk up here to tell them, oh, that's not gonna work. That's not possible. Everything is possible. The crazy thing is, is we have this in our account and some of us just refuse to learn to withdraw. What you have to settle in your heart is everything is possible. The cross made everything possible. And so now I've got to learn how to access that account to get heaven to earth. I want to learn that. I hope you want to learn that too. You know, as a, a presbyter in our section, I get to work with pastors all across our state. And one of the things that the Assemblies of God in South Dakota does for our pastors is, as pastors, we send our tithe to, to the district office because that, that is our church. Those are our pastors, our leaders. And so that funds the, the, the ministry, if you will, of the, the churches in South Dakota. And as a, a way to bless the pastors, the district puts some of that money we send in in a retirement fund for us so that when we retire someday, if we ever do, we can access that. But in order to do that, you have to call down to Springfield where our, our national office is and you have to set up an MBA retirement account. Okay, it's free money. Free, yours. We love you. We want you to retire someday and enjoy your golden years. And so we call pastors and say, pastors, 
uh, call down to Springfield. They'll ask you a couple questions. They'll fax you a form or email you a form, sign it, send it back in, and then this money goes in your account. Some of them won't do it. And I'm upset because I can't get their money in my account. <laughs> I'll retire faster. No, I won't. But <laughs> my account very, very small. And I don't understand why people won't get free money. I don't understand sometimes why believers are afraid to learn to access their account. And all because you've watched TBN and something weird happened. We're all because you had an experience and someone went a little too far or did something a little too crazy. But the funny thing is, is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, 14 is written to one of the craziest churches ever known to man. They were being so excessive in the working of the Holy Spirit and yet Paul to them says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't stop the gifts of the Spirit. But he corrects them. And we cut whole verses out of this book because we're afraid to withdraw from that account. Or we just think, well, you know, if God's gonna do it, God's gonna do it, and uh, I'll just wait till he does it for me. If that was true of anything, you wouldn't be here today. Because God will, is willing for none to perish, he wants all to come to eternal life, and he has purchased salvation for all people, no longer counting their sins against them. But the only way to get access to the Father is by surrendering to Christ. And so even though your sins aren't being accounted against you, and even though for salvation to be applied to you, you had to do something. And it's gonna be the same thing in withdrawing from that heavenly account. So come to the second part. This, the importance of paying attention to the word of God. This book is actually a collection of books. Okay, 66 books written over a period of 1,600 years by about 40 different people. And this book is a revelation to you and I about who God is, his character, his nature, how he works, what he thinks, not every thought of God is in here. I mean, even the apostles say, you know, if we tried to write down everything Jesus taught and did, the world couldn't contain all the books. Okay, but this is a, a picture, a snapshot of everything from the time the world was created all the way till the time we will spend eternity with God in a new heaven and a new earth. It's all here. And this is a revelation of who God is and what his kingdom looks like. We have got to read this book so that we know the character of God. We have got to pay attention to this book so that we can recognize when there's something in our lives that's outside of the character of God. How many times does Paul list things that were a part of our life before Christ? Sexual immorality, greed, impurity, slander. And what does he say? These things should not be in your life. Why? Because you're called to imitate God. And so we're not supposed to read that list and feel all guilty and hang our heads in shame. We're supposed to understand that everything's been done at the cross. But if I recognize there's something going on in my life that's against the character of God, I need to use every weapon he's given me because everything he's has been given to me for life and godliness, everything. I need to use the gifts of the Spirit. I need to use spiritual armor. I need to use the Word of God. I need to use declaration. I need to pray. I need to fast. I need to, to do all of these things this book teaches me, and I need to use every one of those weapons to put to death anything that's against the character of God in my life. And I get to know what the kingdom of God is like. I get to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. So that as I walk around in my daily life, if I recognize something in my life or in my world or in my surroundings that is opposed to the kingdom of heaven, I have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven and I have been commissioned by God to bring what is the culture of heaven to earth and so we take authority over that thing because that shouldn't be, because the kingdom come and that should be gone. 
That's how we're supposed to live. But we can't do that if we're not in this book. And some of the things that we think, even though we've attended church for 60 years, that we think we should be able to do or say or behave isn't based on our time in this book. It's based on something maybe our favorite preacher said or something, you know, we just feel. I was in prayer one day and I had this vision. If you had a vision in prayer to God and it contradicts this book, it wasn't from God. It's just clear. And so you can't just you know, see something and say, well, I don't want that, so I'm just gonna dismiss that. No, 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 no. You gotta pay attention. So we've gotta pay attention to how we're living our lives. We gotta pay attention to the thoughts that we're thinking. If you think that, well, as long as I don't say anything, if I just think thoughts, then it's not a big deal. You're shackled. Uh, And the enemy loves that. I mean, if all you do is sit around and, and rehearse past hurts, what other people are thinking about you, and all of these things in your head, an offended brother is harder to win than a strong city. That's in the book. And that's what happens. And so we take every thought captive and we force it to be obedient to Christ. Hey, that thought isn't in the kingdom. That's not how God thinks. Well, yes, but... I'm allowed to think that about that person because I have more history with them than God. Oh, wait, I don't. So we have to take the thoughts we think towards people and submit them to what God thinks. Now, I'm just letting it simmer. It's like a crock pot. And so we can come to know God. We can come to know the power of the cross through the word of God. And I, I put some scriptures here so that you just don't think I'm making it up. All scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Okay? Corrects us when we're wrong. Teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to attend church services. Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. To prepare his people to go to heaven someday. To prepare us to do every good work. There is work outside these doors that you and I are not doing. You and I. We're not letting ourselves be prepared and equipped in our brains and taking what God has given us and using it. The gifts of the Spirit are not for church worship services. They're for out there. They're for people to come to know. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. The apostles prayed that. So that you at Walmart can draw a crowd and you can say, don't look at me, I didn't do anything special for this person that got healed. She was healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Do you know that you're supposed to do that? <laughs> okay, just making sure. In Sunday school today, we were, Pastor John and I were teaching the little kids and we did some sword drills before and, and uh, one of them was go and make disciples of all people and baptize them and you know, we, you know, who's this for? And well, it's for all of us. And I said, well, you're just a kid. Are you allowed to baptize people? And they, they looked at me and said, yes. And so I said, so if you're at the swimming pool and you're telling your friend about Jesus and your friend says, hey, I, I want to give my life to Jesus, you could, put, you could go in the pool and you could baptize them? And they said, yeah. And the little children shall lead them. Please don't ask me to baptize all your friends. You do it. You baptize people. You make disciples. This is what we've been called to do. This is what the book teaches us. So when we walk through our world, what we see is someone who doesn't know Christ. (laughs) Hey, they don't know Jesus. That's not in the kingdom. They need to know Jesus. So we start praying. We target them. We're like, you're going to know Jesus. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to tell you things, and you're going to know Jesus. 
How many of us live life that intentionally? Don't raise your hand. But we need to. And the more we get in this book and understand what's available in our account, that we can withdraw. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you are like, well, I prayed for someone once and they didn't get healed. Why did that happen? I don't know. I'm still learning how to make withdrawals myself. But you know what I do? I spend more time reading the accounts of men and women of God who had learned to, do, to withdraw and saw people healed and saw people delivered and saw people set free. I read the story of David Wilkerson, the cross and the switchblade, and I listen to how he just followed the voice of the Holy Spirit to get rid of his television, spend more time in prayer, and God led him to do some crazy stuff and things that people thought he was crazy for doing. And now Teen Challenge exists all over our world, setting men and women free from addictions because one guy sold a TV. That's mind-blowing. And so don't think that you sitting in this seat doing one little thing this week that the Holy Spirit prompts you to do is insignificant. A guy sold a television set and millions have been set free from addiction and brought into the kingdom because of it. That's amazing. So we gotta keep going. I digress. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and it's alive, it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cut between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when I'm in this book, it helps me realize there's some emotions, there's some thought processes, there's some things. My spirit has been made new, but my soul is being renewed day by day. And it's being renewed by the living word of God. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. And I've got to pay attention to this book. I can't just read it and fill my brain with a lot of information because all through the book of Hebrews, you and I have been reminded to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard. All through the book, it says, do not refuse him who speaks. Remember Jesus told the story about two brothers? Their father said, hey, go and, do, go and work in my field. And one brother said, no, I'm not going. But later on, he changed his mind and he went. And then the next brother said, oh, I will go in your field. And then he didn't go. And Jesus said, which one was obedient? Which one paid attention to the word? And the disciples said, well, the one that went. Let me put it in our words. Pastor preaches a sermon. Pastor says, let's respond to God. And somebody sits in the pew and they say, I'm not going to the front. I'm not raising my hand. I'm not responding. But later on, when they leave these doors, the Holy Spirit takes that word and they actually put into practice what was taught. Someone else raises a hand, cries a tear, falls on the floor under the power of God, and they get up and they walk out that door and they don't do any of it. Which one actually did the will of God? The one that paid attention. So the initial response isn't what we always need to look for. It's the fruit of obedience when we pay attention to the word. And it becomes dangerous to keep coming to church and putting information in our heads and not doing it. It becomes dangerous to read the Bible every day and not put it into practice. James says, when you do that, he says, get rid of all the filth and all the evil is in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. It is the power to save your soul. It has the power to save your soul, but it doesn't automatically save your soul. If you don't cooperate with it, it doesn't save your soul. If you don't call on the name of Jesus, you're not saved. You can read the Bible, you can do good works, but if you don't call on the name of Jesus, there's no salvation. You're not saved by works. And don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. See, we got to pay attention to the word. But not only that, I want us to talk about the importance of prayer. Because prayer is where we take the word and we apply it to our lives. Or it becomes a part of our lives. Prayer is such an interesting term because it's so multifaceted. You know, prayer is not just sitting with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I mean, we pray before a meal or we, we can pray just sitting in God's presence and communing with God. But praying is also the act of declaring God's will to be done. When we pray corporately, I always encourage people, don't just sit quietly and think about God when we're praying corporately. 
you're to be declaring what God wants to do. That's prayer. If you go back to the Lord's Prayer, the phrases in the Lord's Prayer are actually imperatives. They are their commands. Not that we are commanding God to do something, but we are commanding things to line up with what God has said. When he says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that's a command. So you are literally saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, you don't have to pray those words. And sometimes we think that if we just memorize words and spit them out, that that's, that's enough. That's not enough. We're called to get in the word so that we can become one with the Father and we can understand what's in his heart and then we can declare, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Don't believe me? Look at John chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Now, no part of that says you just name it and claim it, whatever you want. It says get this book in you so that your desires start to match my desires so that when you walk out these doors, you start to see what I desire and you say your kingdom come, your will be done. When the doctor says cancer, you say, God, there's no cancer in your kingdom. So cancer, in the name of Jesus, you have to leave. I know it doesn't leave every time. I know that we haven't learned to withdraw. But here's the thing. Sometimes it does. And I will go to my grave believing this book over my experience. And a failed attempt at prayer, (laughs) amen, from someone who's over here cancer-free. So we have to wrap our minds around the fact that we don't build a theology based off of what I feel or have experienced. I base it off this book. This is how the cross the power of the cross, the account that's been opened, the book, the word of God, and prayer all come together. It's not just enough to read the book, you gotta pray the book into your life. When you come to a scripture and you recognize that scripture and my life don't match, please stop and pray. Lord, you have got to make that match my life. Help me. Give me grace. But just skimming over and saying, well, you know, I only acted like that because, 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 because. Because of all the things people do. Mm -mm. It's so important that we understand the power of prayer. One of the things I loved about the Apostle Paul is this passage. My message and my preaching were very plain. I didn't use clever or persuasive speeches. I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of the, the greatest sermons that I've ever put together are, you know, I've, I've been like so impressed at how well, I'm not real impressed with this one, by the way, but I'm so impressed at like, you know, how I've been able to put all these points together. And last week, I got all seven groups of people to start with the same letter. Wow, that's impressive. I mean, that'll help you remember all of that. And, uh, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not gonna remember any of them. And you're not gonna apply any of it. And so as a pastor, I am constantly reminded that I better pray more than I study or at least as much as I study because it's not just about my words and it's not just about this book. The sons of Sceva went into the demon-possessed man's home and said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about. So, you know, I could get a podcast and say, well, in the name of the 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 power that Brian Jarrett preaches with, I present this word to you and have it go. Because it's not just the words that are spoken, it's the power that's in us and the words that we speak. And prayer unites these words with our spirits and our hearts. And if we think that God's will is just gonna be done on earth and we should just live our lives however, read the book. And how many times he says, pray and do not give up. How many times? Right here, this this person who wrote this amazing discourse says, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for our conscience. We want our conscience to be clear. We think it's clear, but pray for us. Let Let me teach you something about being in leadership or as a teacher in the church. James chapter three, verse one says, brothers and sisters, Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, let me stop there for a second and remind you that if you teach children, there's not a scale here. 
And sometimes I think we do a disservice in the church and we think, well, you know, if I was teaching adults, I would spend more time in prayer and preparation, but because I'm only teaching children, it's not that important. I know none of you would ever think that, but that's a, that's a mindset in our world today. And honestly, we should actually be more concerned about teaching children because they're, they're being shaped and molded and they're way easier to teach and get on the right track at a young age than adults. Sometimes it's hard for us to change our ways. And so what he says is there's a strict teaching. There's a strict judgment for those who teach because what happens is you can come to the place where you teach something and you teach it so often that people think you live it and you don't. You don't. The 80s, especially are littered with men and women of faith who taught things that they didn't pay attention to. They violated their own conscience. When your conscience says stay away from something, I don't care if every other believer on the planet does it. Stay away from it. And don't try to convince someone else to follow your conscience. You're not the Holy Spirit. Let them follow their conscience. But look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I discipline my body. I pay attention to the word. I make sure that I live it out so that when I preach to others, I myself am not disqualified. So don't violate your conscience. Paul says in Acts chapter 24, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're warned. The Holy Spirit tells us that the last time some will turn away from the faith, they'll follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. I mean, none of us would follow deceptive teachings that come from demons. But these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does another, meaning we hear the word, we teach the word, but we do not do what it says. And you could sit here today and amen something I say, but if you are not living that out in your life, then please start paying attention to the word. That's a slippery slope of deception that the enemy uses. And just because it doesn't have pointy horns and fiery red eyes doesn't mean it's not a doctrine of demons. Pay attention to the word. Take authority over the things in our lives because of the account we have, because of the cross, because of the word. We know what should be in our lives and we follow it. Be careful that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Well, it's my right to do whatever. Well, but if my right causes someone else to stumble, then I put away my right because I don't want someone with a weaker conscience than me to to stumble and lest we think that if our conscience is clear hey I'm all right with God again let me put some overlap in here if your life doesn't match this book I don't care if your conscience is clear or not it's not okay sexual immorality people in in churches claiming to follow Christ now teach that sexual immorality of various sorts is okay because it doesn't bother my conscience. <laughs> your conscience has a problem and you need to bring your conscience in line with the word of God. Okay, so there's overlap. We, you can't just say, well, I'm in the word, but I don't pray. You, you can't. You can't say, well, I love the cross, but I really don't have time to pray and be in the word. You, you can't. It's the word, it's the cross, it's the account, it's the spirit, it's, the, it's prayer, it's all of those things. If we want the power of God to come from our account to earth, we've gotta make sure we keep in mind the cross. It's all about the cross. Don't slip into works, don't slip into false religion, don't slip into tradition. We've gotta be in the book, we've gotta recognize the character of God, we've gotta watch and see what his kingdom is like, we've gotta be in prayer, marrying this with this. And prayer, by the way, is just as simple. When you go out and you see someone and you just, you just or you see a situation that's going on and you just start walking the streets and you say, God, there's no divorce in, in, your, in your kingdom. Please, if you're divorced, please, don't, please understand what I'm saying. And so, God, I pray for strong marriages in our city. Your kingdom come. God, there are strong marriages in heaven. So let the, well, I know there's no marriages in heaven, but you get what I'm saying. So, but there are strong marriages on earth. There are good relationships in these homes. And walk the streets and start declaring. When you drive around, don't just listen to stuff. Start declaring his word over the city. And if we don't do that, nothing will change. 
It's not just gonna happen because God wants it to happen because you and I have been commissioned with the keys of the kingdom to do this. We need to do it. Whew, that was a lot of stuff. So, yeah, we're gonna be done. So, I wanted to tell you a story about a missionary. And uh, if you're on Facebook, I'd encourage you to go to Julie Bach's Facebook page. Julie has been suffering with... um, cancer and she was she just went back to the oncologist and expected a clean bill of health um if you know jacob and julie they're kingdom-minded people they believe in the power of god uh they believe she's going to be healed so they keep believing that and declaring that and walking in that um but actually the spots on her lungs have grown um and so as she was waiting in this waiting room office she used that opportunity to visit with another person in there that got a bad report from her doctor and she shared her faith and said you know what I'm not in charge of how God deals with all of this stuff, but he can use me in in the midst of this to be the fragrance of Christ everywhere I go. Just a a powerful testimony of remembering uh, that when even when it doesn't look like things are working out the way we want, that we can be the fragrance of Christ. Uh, If you're not on Facebook and you want that full story, let me know and I'll print it for you, but I don't have time to cover it uh, in great detail. But pray for her. Uh, Pray for healing. Pray that her faith Uh, doesn't fail her faith is strong she still believes God's going to heal her and uh, God ultimately is her healer but uh, what I hope today is that you and I recognize the account that has been opened in heaven with our name on it because of the cross and that everything you need let me let me you're going to go to work tomorrow no maybe not you're on vacation this week next week you're going to go to work and something there is going to be impossible Everything is possible. You're going to go to the doctor and he's going to say something and he's going to say there's nothing more we can do for you. Everything is possible. Your spouse is going to cheat on you or your spouse is going to say mean things to you or they're going to hurt you in some way. Every broken relationship, everything is possible. Every situation you face, every problem, that doesn't mean you don't need help. It doesn't mean you don't need a doctor. It doesn't mean you don't need counseling. But everything is in the account. And you've got to learn to make withdrawals. And sometimes those withdrawals come through counseling. And sometimes those withdrawals come through doctors. And sometimes those withdrawals come through meeting with a friend regularly. Sometimes those, just you coming after God, learning to withdraw from that account. Just don't quit. Understand what's in that account for you. Get in the book and never stop praying. I could have said that and let you go home a long time ago. (laughs) But I didn't. So I want you to stand with me and I I don't want to take a long time to end because I know we're right at the 12 o'clock hour. But here's what I want us to do. I want you to, uh, if you're in a row by yourself, maybe move where you can be beside someone. And I want you to put a hand on the shoulder of the person beside you to your left and to your right. Um, we used to hold hands in churches growing up, but then people said you shouldn't make people hold hands because they get all sweaty and it's weird and people don't like it. And, um, and I, may, I may be even crossing lines asking you to touch someone's shoulder, um, but I, I don't know what to do. I just feel like we need to pray for each other. And so I'm gonna pray for you but I want you to pray for the person on your right and the person on your left as I pray. You don't have to listen to me pray. You pray whatever God puts in your heart. I trust you've got the spirit in you. You could pray better than me. And so I just want you to pray for them, the things we've talked about today. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray something specific, pray it with them. If he gives you a word to share with them, share that word with them. But let's end this service today by doing what the writer of Hebrews says. Pray for us. Pray for one another. And so, Father, for this congregation today, God, for myself today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to know and understand the account that has been opened in heaven, every spiritual blessing that resides in that account, not only for our lives, but for the lives of our friends, for the lives of our neighbors, for the lives of our coworkers. Jesus, we know that the cross made everything right. You brought peace to mankind. You reconciled all men with God. Now they just need to call on you. 
But how can they call unless they hear? And how can they hear unless we tell them? And so God, we need to understand the cross, the commission of the cross, the commission of that account for each of us to take and release the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Father, I pray for your word to grow in our hearts, a love of your word to grow in our hearts. God, help us to understand and pay attention to the words. Holy Spirit, help us. We can become proud. We can become proud religiously, thinking that we're measuring up because we know all the data. But we need you to show us where we're falling short, where our lives don't match our words. Help us to conform our lives to the truth of your word, not to earn our salvation, but because we have been saved. Help us to imitate you in everything that we do so that we can model before this world what the kingdom looks like. Help us to do everything without grumbling and complaining so that we shine like stars. So that people can understand there's no grumbling and complaining in the kingdom. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to never stop praying. Make us alert. Make us watchful. Everywhere we go to see where your kingdom needs to come. And God, with our mouths, help us to release your kingdom, your will, into every situation we come across, into every impossibility. Help us not to be overwhelmed. Help us not to get to that position of drowning. God, you promised when we walk through the fire, we won't be burned. When we walk through waters, we will not drown because you're with us. And you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Holy Spirit, help us to activate it every day this week so that your kingdom comes and your will is done in our families, in our neighborhoods, in Huron, in Redfield, South Dakota, in Nebraska, in Minnesota, in Colorado. God, everywhere our feet tread this week, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Now, Father, I pray your blessing over this body today, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them, and that you'd give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for stepping out, touching a neighbor, not being afraid. Um, sorry that I took a little bit extra.